Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Art of Creative Living podcast. I'm your host, Nicola Newman. I'm a professional artist, creative mentor and coach, retreat host, author and creator of Flourish, the Art of Creative Living, which is a global year-long creativity school for creative hearts who want to build a loving relationship with themselves through mindfulness and creative expression. Over the past decade or so, I've worked and taught at the intersection of mindfulness and creativity. Because the truth is, most of us were not taught how to craft a life that is deeply fulfilling, meaningful and true to us. We weren't taught how to navigate the inevitable obstacles, perfectionism and self-doubts that pop up during the creative process. Instead, many of us are left believing we're just not creative, or thinking we don't have time for creative expression, or feeling like the emotional roller coaster that's part of the creative process is completely overwhelming. If you feel like your life is on autopilot, if you rarely put yourself first, or if you are constantly searching out there for someone else to tell you what to do, or give you the answers and show you the right way to live, then this is your time to slow down tune into your own heart and intentionally cultivate a life that is fulfilling, meaningful and unique for you. Creativity is deeply personal territory that impacts on our well-being on so many levels, on an emotional, psychological, physical and even spiritual level. And we need more than how-tos or a paint-by-numbers approach. We need gentleness, compassion playfulness and curiosity. Through inspiring creative practices, intentional small steps, uplifting creative living stories and fun-filled creative play dates, I have guided people around the globe into new, empowered and inspired relationships with their creativity through my encouraging, nurturing and fun-filled approach. In listening to this new podcast season, My hope is you feel inspired to trust your heart, be kind to yourself, gently navigate self-doubts, know that there are no mistakes and you can't do it wrong. We can learn from every experience to help us hone our life so it fits us even more. If you like what you hear in these episodes, you'll probably love my year-long creativity school, Flourish the Art of Creative Living. This is my signature program and we're open for registration right now. We begin a new year of Flourish each year in January. So if you're ready to join, we've got loads of goodies and content to share with you so that you can get started and find support for your creative life right away. And since the pandemic has been such a huge influence in how we create at home, I've decided to also include my brand new Alcohol Ink Adventures mini class as a bonus this year, along with my two organic gardening courses, the Abundant Veggie Patch System and Grow Organic Food in Pots. Plus, for the first time, we're going to enjoy live painting workshops during the year as part of your membership too, where you can watch me paint a painting from start to finish live in my studio while you paint right along with me in the comfort of your own home. I truly believe creative expression is a form of self-care that enriches our well-being, our self-leadership and our wisdom. Mindfulness and creative expression are doors to a fulfilling and meaningful life and being kind to yourself is a practice that leads to more riches than money can ever buy. This podcast is a practical guide to crafting a life where you truly flourish. So make yourself a cup of tea and get comfortable. Pull up a chair in your garden and turn up the volume or slip on your walking shoes and pop in your headphones. We are about to explore some creative living terrain together and I'm so excited you're here. So for today's episode, I'm joined by Kelly Herrick, a British contemporary landscape artist who helps people fall back in love with nature. Kelly is also a guest teacher in Flourish, the Art of Creative Living, and we talk a bit about her guest teacher workshop in this episode. She's such a wonderful inspiration of someone who has bravely embraced creative living. She also creates art and creative well-being events, 
is a creative strategist in an international design agency and a mum of two boys. In this episode, we explore her personal creative living story, the power of letting go of old or outdated stories that we may carry about our creativity, and she shares a peek into her creative well-being workshops in the woods, plus shares how mindfulness and flow in her creative practice helps with managing stress and loads more. I absolutely loved recording this episode with Kelly. She's so full of life and fun and overflowing with creative wisdom. I'm honoured to have her on the show and I'm so glad that you're listening into our chat. You're in for a real treat. So let's dive in. Thank you so much, Kelly, for making time to come and speak with us and share about your creative living journey. It's such a delight to have you here. Oh, that's very welcome. I can't wait to chat to you and just to see how it all unfolds, really. Great. Well, let's start, shall we? Right back at the beginning, let's start with your childhood. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your particular creative living story. So maybe a little bit about your family and upbringing and your first impressions with art and creativity. Yeah, well, it's interesting one, actually, because I was born into a travelling fair family. So Mm. over here in Britain, um, we travelled around in the summer every couple of weeks we were traveling we lived in great big caravans pulled by trucks and we traveled every couple of weeks and then in the winter we had a few months in the same place so so I was absolutely surrounded by quite high stimulating noise and color and lights and smells and sounds so I definitely definitely see that as um, a big inspiration on the contemporary art that I produce you know it's really colorful and it's really full of movement and it's really bold so there was a lot of that around me. And I remember from a very early age, um, my dad sign writing um, and, uh, you know, kind of painting and maintaining a lot of our fairground equipment in very bright colours and creating characters and big letters and things. So definitely, definitely, that's where the seeds were sown, for sure. Um, that's amazing. And I think... <laughs> Yeah, and that kind of roaming free spirit nature as well. As I've kind of gone full circle now back into my mid-40s, I've realised how much of a free spirit I really am. Mm. And I'm kind of like, duh, of course you are, because that's your whole cultural heritage and how you were brought up, you know? So yeah. um, so there's no reason, no, no wonder at all that I'm a, a landscape artist and I love to be out and about in nature and seeing new places and what's over the next hill. So that, I think, has wrapped up a lot of my sort of seeds of my creative expression mm, that's amazing I didn't know that about you with growing up in yeah. that way and um it sounds like then creativity itself was something that was valued by your parents would you say yeah very much I think um creativity for me is not necessarily just about art and I have this conversation a lot with people uh, particularly people who say I'm not creative I haven't got a creative bone in my body mm-hmm. we we are all creative you know we wouldn't have produced this entire world that we live in without having hugely creative brains so so my parents respected creativity in the sense of uh, making and doing and making good and all of that, but they also respected that whole creativity of entrepreneurship and solving problems and working out alternative solutions, you know. So so we didn't have the money to do something because we hadn't taken the money that day on the fair. So what would we do? Well, we'd go out and sell this or or we would pool our resources with another family and we'd go and do something else, you know. So, so I think creativity gets misunderstood quite a lot, but it was definitely very creative, entrepreneurial and um, problem-solving sort of childhood for sure. That's awesome. And that sounds um, like a really unique, <laughs> a really unique creative living story too. It's not one that you come across very often. Um, yeah. 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 And and so then after that, you t- walk me through a little bit more how you found your career as a designer. Okay. So, well, I work in the design industry, but I'm not a designer. I'm a creative strategist just to um, kind of confirm that. So, um, because we were traveling around, uh, my parents wanted me to have a good education. So I actually went to boarding school as well at the age of eight. And that was the first time I'd ever lived in a house, which was really bizarre. So, so I ended up with this really, um, odd blend of a fairground background and a really classical British boarding school education. Um, 
And from there, I went into doing a marketing degree and went into working in brand design and advertising agencies in my early career, swapped over later on to do uh, sort of marketing director roles. And now I find myself um, working um, in the design industries as a creative strategist. And that is a lot about um, writing narrative and storytelling and coming up with creative commercial ideas for clients that kind of work from a business point of view, but have a really authentic, unique flair of creativity to them um, Mm. as business strategies, which then ties in with our design process as well. So, um, so yeah, it was a a very, um, a very unique path, let's say, uh, that I've taken, but then we're all incredibly unique, aren't we? So everybody's story is really interesting to listen to. That's true. That's true. And then the process of working within an office and when I met you you were really keen to be prioritizing your art practice and creative expression while you were still working and while you're also raising children at the same time which I think is a juggling act yes. that is such a fascinating <laughs> one to explore so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what led you there and what that process has been like for you. Yeah yeah it's been interesting actually because uh, a few years ago, I was working more as um, as a marketing director um, in a tech firm, um, well, a kind of construction tech firm, lighting. And um, I realized that although it was a marketing role, it was quite dry for me. And I'd, I'd kind of, as I've got more and more senior in the industry, I'd got into drier and drier roles. And my heart was just calling out for this playful exploration, this creativity, and I purposefully started to network and look for something that would be more of a creative role. Um, and yeah, kind of came across the role that I'm currently uh, in. And it is so much more creative. And yes, it may be that I'm in an office environment some days, but it's very collaborative and we work on big creative projects. And that was the first step really from my career. And at the same time, I started to just re-explore things from my youth. And I felt that I got to a point, my kids are a little bit older. So uh, my kids were kind of just at the end of junior school. So around 10, 8, 10, that kind of age. They weren't babies anymore. Um, And I started to explore things like I joined um, a Shakespeare theatre company. I was in a play. I had about three lines, but it was still brilliant fun. So I did that. Um, I started, went back to art class. Um, And I just kind of... um, just explore creative things. I was I was a volunteer for an international photography festival in my home city, things like that that just kind of sparked a little bit of passion and interest again after being kind of squished by grey-suited corporate life. And it just exploded from there. As soon as I kind of, I don't know, unscrewed the lid a little way, all this creative energy just kind of burst out and took the lid off it all and it, it kind of unfolded. And then I found that I couldn't really not be creative. And particularly the art was the thing that really hooked me in. And I found that if I wasn't taking time out of my week with uh, work and with my children and my husband to find a bit of space and doodle, paint, explore, or even, you know, kind of inspire and read books about other artists and painters, it was having an impact on me negatively. So we all knew that it was not an option. It just became not an option to to stop doing it, if you know what I mean. It just became integrated in the natural part of what we were doing as a family, that I would have time. Um, But it is a challenge, and I think it's that old adage, isn't it? You know, you can't help fill someone else's bucket from an empty bucket yourself, and you you have to hold on to time each day or each week, even if it's only a small amount of time, to to feed that soul passion that you have, whether it's art or whether it's, you know, engineering or walking or I don't know, whatever it is, decorating, you know, you need some time. Um, and I think going through this pandemic has been really interesting that we all realise, so many people I've spoken to realise how busy we made ourselves unnecessarily beforehand. Mm. <laughs> and we've all gone, how on earth did we continue that crazy busy lifestyle and we've all been kind of gifted a little bit of a hiatus and a, and a break to go, oh, okay, you know, let's move forward a bit more slowly and let's take a little bit more time for ourselves. So so I think that's been a, a real help for people in general. But uh, the challenge of carving out time in your own life 
sounds absolutely ridiculous because it is our lives and yet we all suffer from it. Hmm. So, so I think that's been the biggest challenge is consistently taking time to, to, to practice art and have a play, you know? Yeah. And I love, I love that you were able to get your family on board with that with you, or they could see the difference for you personally when you were making time for yourself in that area of your life and when you weren't and that it just sort of became a non-negotiable. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. They must, uh, yeah. We love, you know, they're a great support for you. It's, it's lovely to hear about. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, uh, you know, I've spoken to people who have supportive families and friends that, you know, say to them, you should be taking time for this and actually help them kind of step into being creative. And then mm. I, speak, I speak to other people who have perhaps the opposite, where they go, oh, what are you doing? You know, you don't need to do that. That's just childish or that's, you know, pointless or whatever. And actually I find with those people that, once you hold to your own boundaries and commitments, mm-hmm. people just need a little bit of time to see the benefits for themselves and for you and also to realise that you're not going to go back to what they want. So <laughs> if you do want to spend every Saturday morning on a creative project and your partner isn't particularly uh, supportive of that, just gently but kindly hold that boundary for a few weeks and then it will just happen. It will. It, it then becomes non-negotiable because everybody sees the benefit, and also that partner knows that's not going to change. Um, mm. And often it, that's out of fear. You know, you want to place your focus and your energy elsewhere than on me or our family. And I think once people understand that it's not a fearful thing and it's not a competition, mm. and actually it feeds everybody's energy yeah. and, and yeah. brings harmony and brings inspiration to the family or to the relationship then they become comfortable with it. Mm, and everybody benefits when you're feeling, yeah, yeah feel, full, filled up and fulfilled and inspired, like you say. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Great. Let's um, now talk about something that sounds quite heavy in contrast to all of that, but that is uh, creative shame, which is something that I, oh, I yeah. <laughs> would be curious to hear if that's something that you recognise and if so, what, what does it mean for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, everybody who who practices a creative pursuit that is publicly seen or thinks it might be publicly seen gets this shame, guilt, fear, fear of judgment. It's it's one of the first things when you when you go to put something out in the world, whether that's an opinion in a meeting at work or um, your parenting when you start to have children. As soon as you put something of yourself out into the world you immediately fear the judgment that's going to fall on you from it. Mm. And I think creative pursuits are really heightened because they really only exist when other people can see them. So, yes, you can create art just for yourself, but you will still see it and probably your family and friends will still see it at some point if it's in your home. So they kind of exist because people spectate, you know, or involve with them. It's that old kind of discussion philosophical discussion you know is a play really a play if there isn't an audience to see it that you know of course art and the arts come to life when people take part so so immediately there is the forum where people can judge and have their own opinion and you immediately start to compare and contrast and one of the things I speak to people about a lot around creative shame is the difference between gathering inspiration and gathering comparisons and it's one of the things that I fall for a lot I can create a lovely piece and I'm really happy with it and it really evokes the sense that I want to convey in my art and social media is a hot hotbed for shame you know you post and you start scrolling through and you see someone else's work you know oh theirs is so much better than mine this is so much better mine is so awful and you start to kind of eat away at yourself. Mm. Um, so I do recognise it. And I think that however accomplished you become, however confident you are, there's always points and elements where you feel the fear and feel mm. the shame, you know. Um, and one of the things that I've explored uh, with some of your Flourish students and uh, myself and with other people on retreats with me is trying to go back through your creative life and understand what happened to anchor shame for you around creativity. So it could be something that 
Um, an interesting story for me, for example, and why I didn't really explore my art for a long time was that during secondary school, high school, I was very, very close friends. My best friend was the artist one, and she was great. So she was the artist, so I couldn't tell myself I couldn't be the artist one because she was already the artist one, so I was the drama one. And I hadn't realised how long I'd carried this story for years and years and years that I couldn't be the art one because Elizabeth was the art one. And then I realized that was just a, an anchor point for shame and, and fear for me around exploring my art. And it wasn't until I dropped it that I really felt freer to explore me as the arty one, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think comparison um, is a real hotbed for creative shame and guilt and fear. Comparison with yourself, comparison with how you used to be, how you want yes. to be in the future or other people. Yes. Yes, that comparison piece is huge, isn't it? It sort of comes from this sense of not enoughness, not good enough, not skilled yeah. enough, not talented enough, not um, not even enough time or resources to put into the things. And we can kind of create stories around our um, our creativity that that can be hooked into this not enoughness. Um, Absolutely. And I think it starts with I am not enough because I don't deserve to be heard or seen. Therefore, yeah. what I'm painting, performing, recording does not deserve to be heard or seen. Mm. Um, and that, I think, is the, the, the bit, the mindset that all of us as creators have to work with in the fact that our unique voice is totally unique in the whole world just to us. Mm. And it does deserve to be out in the light. It does deserve that. Mm. And what do, do you find that there's some processes or mindsets or t- tools that you use when you might be feeling the f- those sensations of shame um, or fear about what other people might think? When you're in the midst of that, in a shame spiral, yeah. Are there things that you have found helped you to move through that and not be stopped in your tracks? Yeah, sure. I mean, there are practical things and there are mindset things. So I would say from a practical point of view, it's not cruising social media and looking for excuses to make myself feel bad or, um, you know, kind of overworking my, my brain with I have to be producing X number of works a day or a week or, you know, it's kind of those are the practical things. But from a mindset point of view, um, I always, always go back to why, why do I want to create art in the first place? That, again, is totally unique to me. No one else feels that the way I do. And understanding my why, why I create, absolutely fills me back up with confidence because I know I create landscape art because I want to connect myself and people to our landscape and to the world and to help people fall back in love with nature and to take a slice of the outside back into their homes to inspire them and beautify their home. That is, in a nutshell, why I create that art. And nobody else has that exact emotion. They might have very similar stories, but that's very unique to me. So once I pull that around myself like a comfort blanket and really wrap myself up in my why and really go deep into that, I realize how much value I have, how unique I am, and how deserving I am to be able to express that. Mm. And I think that is a real key to unlocking what feelings negative challenging feelings come up is go back to your motivation and your passion Mm. and noticing what it's not as well it's not about trying to impress everyone with what they might expect a painting to look like it's nothing to do with that your why is so it's an intrinsic value rather than an external um accolade that you're yeah yeah absolutely mm. do it do it for yourself um because there will be, if you want to, you know, share your art, there will still be people like you who love that in the world. There'll be lots of people. Yeah. But do it for yourself. You know, as soon as you start creating something um, uh, from a tutorial that's the same that everybody else has done, it might be fun to do as an exercise, but if you do that over and over and over again, you will soon become bored of it mm. and 
it doesn't reflect your true why or your true purpose or passion. So, yeah, I think understanding what um, why you want to do it and not being held to account for what is art? Would this be in a gallery? Does this look infantile? I mean, you look at Matisse. I recently did a course on Matisse. And uh, you look at some of Matisse's work and you think, gosh, it's so easy to just paint so basic. And believe me, it really is not. It <laughs> really, really isn't. So, you know, we have these really applauded, successful in the traditional sense artists in the world that broke all these boundaries and we love them for it. So, you know, get inspired by the pioneers. Mm, I love it. And... Um, thank you so much for sharing all of that, Kelly. I think there'll be a lot of uh, people who are listening that will be nodding along and resonating with your very eloquent description of creative shame and the different blocks that we can feel when we're stepping into making something new and knowing that other people might see it. Um, so thank you. Now, you've been crafting beautiful new offerings in your creative business and have been doing loads of interesting things in your art <laughs> practice too so perhaps would you mind telling us a bit what you've been up to no not at all um I yeah I'm a I'm a bit of a magpie for things and um <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm a bit tangential and I have a short attention span which can be a challenge uh, but it's also a real gift I think um so yeah I've been exploring lots of different things in my actual making of art um I've explored using some different mediums recently. So I, I normally paint in oils and I've gone back to watercolours, but making them very bold and using scribbly pen and inks with them. Um, and we've also had a summer after lockdown where we could get out safely in our touring caravan, my husband and I and our kids. So I've been creating loads and loads of sketchbooks of different places and seeing new things. Um, but also alongside that, I've been reaching out and creating quite a lot around creative well-being with people. Um, mm. So I've been running some safe, socially distanced outdoor workshops for people to come along. And we've done some in the woods and we've done some in the beautiful river gardens that we have here in one of the World Heritage sites. Um, and we've been using creative play and sketchbooking and, and exploration of art in the landscape. And we've been mindful of where we are and we've, we've been in the woods and we've been listening to the leaves blowing in the wind and looking at the bugs crawling on the trees and creating art. And, oh, my goodness, it's, oh, it's, it's been wonderful. <laughs> I know. It, and the feedback I've had, you know, one lady came along and said, I was so stressed out this morning, I was rushing around and just to sit here with you in the woods for two hours is just, oh, I feel so calm and peaceful and... And people have been producing beautiful sketches and things, but that's not been the purpose of it. You know, it's been purposeless in a really good way. It's been about enjoying the process and playing and exploring and opening up our senses rather than let's follow an art demo and create the picture I'm creating at the end and see how well you did. It, it absolutely mm -hmm. wasn't that. So, so connecting with people with creative well-being has been something I've explored a lot. Um, and... Yeah, I've just booked a venue for a creative wellbeing retreat for <gasps> June of next year. So oh, fantastic. I know. I'm very excited. Obviously, there's a little bit of caution around where the world is at the moment, but I'm really <laughs> optimistic that we will be in a very different place and, and a much safer place uh, this time next year. You know, so many amazing people working on, on the issues for the world. So, so I think my art practice is, um, is going beautifully and I'm really in flow with it at the moment. But I think what's really helped me with that is, is connecting to other humans. And I've had a real desire to do that, like many of us have through this really challenging, weird time in the world. Mm. And connecting with other people is so inspiring and so, so fun and lovely. <laughs> I just, you know, who doesn't want to be with a bunch of great people creating art in the middle of the woods? I mean, who doesn't want to do that? It's amazing. <laughs> So, so those have been the things that I've really focused on is, yeah, connecting to people with creative well-being. Isn't it interesting how your creative practice, your personal private painting practice now, and also the offerings, taking people out into the woods, is reminiscent of those threads of being a travelling family and moving around and how travel is still a, a instant 
in, integral kind of component to what I imagine feeds your inspiration and, and is a huge part of your creative practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The free-spirited, uh, you know, my, my retreat is going to be called Wild Heart Creative Soul. Love and it. to me, that, that just sums it all up. You know, I do have this <laughs> wild heart. I do need to walk in the woods. And, and those woods locally to me, when we first went into lockdown, was one of the first, the only things you could do in isolation and, and stay sane. And mm. I knew the woods, but not as well as when I walked them every day and I sketched them every day. And now, now I'm working with the Woodland Community Trust and we're creating limited edition postcards of my sketches to raise money oh, for their, for the woodland so that they can plant more mature trees. And, and so it, it all kind oh, of just... It's waving it become yeah, yeah, it becomes so, so giving and so rewarding to do it as well as fun and creative. It, it starts to have a real deeper meaning, which is lovely. It gives me goosebumps. That's so fantastic, Kelly. Mm. <laughs> Now, your guest teacher session in Flourish is a favourite among members. And oh, awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love it as well. And I've gone through the process myself and got so much out of it. So I wonder if you could please share a little bit of an overview of the process that you lead members through. Sure. Um, okay, so it's, it's a mindset, a creative living mindset uh, workshop. And it's based around story and the power of story is really, really important. We psychologically and emotionally tell ourselves stories, good and bad, from as soon as we become kind of conscious or mentally aware as a toddler. And there are all these cultural stories and social stories and historical stories, and we step into them a lot without questioning them. So, so the whole workshop is really to get you to question some of the stories that you tell yourself around your creativity. And we start off by creating a timeline now, everything's very visual so we're writing down and, and doodling and things so uh, we create a timeline around um, the positive and the more challenging aspects of things either in this season of your creativity because I know you love to talk about seasons mm -hmm. or uh, throughout your whole life or throughout this last year or pandemic or whatever mm -hmm. um, and we kind of have a, a graphical way of, of noting what was good and bad or, or good and challenging let's say and then around those challenging things that have kind of anchored us in more negative beliefs about our creativity we switch them around and create positive affirmations and let them go and then during the rest of the process we use a little notebook and a pencil it's very important it's a pencil because everything is temporary and your story can change whenever you want it to mm. uh, we start exploring okay if we're letting those negative beliefs go what do we want for our creative futures and our creative present and we start to create um, a, a title for this storybook or novel or reference book if you want it to be factual um, and we go through a process of creating um, a new story and writing it very powerfully as though it has happened in the present uh, and the kind of short term future and then in the longer term future. So now next and future. Mm. And by the end of this lovely workshop, you end up with um, uh, this this wonderful pencil storybook, which you can come back to change update of as though it's really happened around what your creative vision, creative dream, creative passion is. Um, and, and it is really powerful because it questions our beliefs around some of the things we've told ourselves. Like I wasn't the creative, the artistic one because yeah. my friend was. That's absolutely a story that I stepped into for a long time. So, so it's really powerful. And there's lots of tools and tricks and tips and, and, and um, meditations and things as part of the workshop that help you get to that that point so I'm glad that people really love that because yeah it's a really interesting one it unlocks a lot in people that workshop it does and and that process of letting go of the old stories that you know that are no longer serving you is um really powerful as well in oh sorry for me I found it was incredibly important and without having that little ritual in place I actually remember I tore because we were living on the boat at the time I tore up my story into tiny little pieces of paper and it was a full moon and I, and I went and sat on the back of the boat and just dropped these tiny bits of paper and watched them float away on the tide and for me that was so transformative because I could I could feel 
into that ritual of letting something go. It was such a physical act of letting something go. And if the story came back up in my mind, I could, I would anchor back into that um, memory of the moon and the, the tide and um, it was really amazing so I'm so beautiful. so grateful yeah. yeah it's a beautiful it sounds like I don't know the owl and the pussycat in the boat or something it's just so gorgeous but yeah that, that physical the ritual really helps but the physical proof it's kind of like proof to your subconscious brain that you have yes. done a thing yes. like people say don't they if you want something say it out loud mm. and uh, it kind of takes it on a step from there so you, your logical rational side of your brain wants evidence and proof and fact and knowing that you've written it down, ripped it up, burnt it, buried it under a beautiful tree, whatever it might be, Mm. um, gives your logical brain a chance to calm down and stop rushing around looking for proof and evidence because it has it. So it, so it goes, okay, I've got my evidence. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to calm down and let your subconscious creative brain take over. You know, you quieten it down by doing these physical things. It's really interesting psychologically. Wow. Wow. Now, what has your experience been? And this kind of follows on a little bit from, in a way, from that uh, story of letting go and, the, and, the, and those rituals. But what's your experience been with creative expression and building self-trust? Are the two linked for you in any way? Um, I guess in terms of yeah, really getting to know yourself and being able to lean into self-leadership and um, trusting your own inner wisdom. Yes, um, absolutely. It, it, there's, a, there's something around creating something that is your own and absolutely no one else's that taps into a real core belief about who you are that you, you just don't get from going through a process that was created by someone else, you know, and there are workshops and tutorials that help you get to this point, but I'm really talking about the free form stuff that you end up doing whether it's riffing on a guitar or choosing how to plant your garden or whatever creative thing it is that you haven't been told how to do or is it more formalized it's that it's that it's there I think where your wisdom and confidence really builds because Mm. a robot can copy a technique Um, you know if you pay enough attention and practice something enough you can copy something but when you start to free form and you sketch or you create something original, um, that's where your self-expression suddenly, it really sparkles and it really comes to life. And I've been in, <laughs> I've been in moments where I've created something, and I'm not saying it's wonderful art, but I've created something that for some reason the colours or the shape or something really moves me. And I look back at it and I go, wow, I, I did that. I did that. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. I, I made that. I made that. Yeah. And why not? You know, why not boost your feeling of empowerment around your own voice by creating things? Because I find that my art practice and the mindfulness and being in flow and a state of flow around my art, like we've touched on before, really helps me balance things like stress and anxiety it gives me ideas and inspirations to take to my relationships or to bring to work um it it just fires up so much more and allowing yourself that free creative expression is really important um letting go of perfection means you let go of that inner critic and i think that's where the wisdom starts to kind of come out like a little a little scared you know bunny at the cave mouth as soon as the inner critic is put quiet and and put to sleep the the little bunny sniffs the air and starts to come out and play because you know you're you again a bit like before you're 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 quieting the inner critic so your creativity and your wisdom can come out Mm -hmm. um so all of that for me the the self-expression self-confidence trusting my judgment you know some there's been some famous artists out there and I can't remember who they are now off the top of my head who say that creating art is just a series of decisions Mm. you know you decide first of all what you might paint take painting you decide the composition you decide the colors you decide to put one brush mark on and leave it or change it or do it again you know it's literally a series of decisions and decisions and to make good decisions you have to trust yourself and uh, I think playing and building up the confidence brings out the inner wisdom so that then you do trust yourself 
you make great decisions around your creativity and your art just flourishes. I love all of that. Um, and it makes me think as well that one of the one of the funny byproducts of living a creative life or studying art um, that I found was it helped me to really hone in on my likes and dislikes and what was important to me in life and what wasn't and um, the things that I resonated with and the things that I don't resonate with. You know, when you go to an art gallery, for example, and you're looking around at the paintings and you might have a, you might be really drawn to certain pieces. Yeah. And if you start questioning yourself and saying, well, what is it about this that I resonate with? What is it about this that I really love or that lights me up or that fills me with joy? And then um, on the other hand, if you see works that you don't connect with or you don't feel that you, um, in inverted commas, like um, or, you know, that it's good, I should say, then, again, asking yourself, well, why not? And what is it about this piece that doesn't? move me in the same way or or um if it's you know it doesn't have to be paintings it can be new media works and video art and things like that mm. too and by constantly kind of having this dialogue with yourself and questioning the things that you love and the things that you don't and then you can you can transpose this that process into other areas of your life too whether it's your garden or it's it was only recently that um, I realised that I didn't read a lot of fiction and I was speaking with my friend Naomi about it and she said, well, what sort of books do you like? And I said, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> like there's been a few, but it got me thinking. And, I mean, I knew I liked reading nonfiction a lot, but I, I started thinking about the fiction books that I loved and I realised that I really loved fiction books that were about um, the inner workings of the protagonist's mind and they were piecing together life and um, it wasn't it wasn't about romance and it wasn't about you know crime or any of those sorts of things mm. it was very much usually first person narrative and inside the protagonist's mind as they were overcoming some kind of transformation within themselves and once I worked that out I could tell my library and what I liked and all of a sudden I found all these books that are fiction that I'm I love and yeah. I think that creative living can do that for us it can help us to hone in on those things that really light us up and bring us alive and like you going and painting in the woods like what a beautiful way to spend your minute your precious minutes and hours on this earth is doing something that is so nourishing for you um and I think that we can be so force-fed with culture and you know stuff on tv of what they tell us we should be doing that make us happy and often it doesn't you know going yeah. and buying more stuff doesn't really make us happy um but it takes a bit of effort though doesn't it to, to to question yourself about what's important to you and what you actually really enjoy and you've clearly done that um and brought that into your art practice and melded an art practice that that brings together a process of painting as well as a subject of the painting um that lights you up and therefore it's sustainable yeah and you know it's it's the emotions that actions elicit so i've got a little creativity formula i wrote a blog about it which is uh, creativity is curiosity plus action times repetition. That's literally it. You're curious, you make take an action, and then you keep going and you mm. keep going and you keep going. And I think doing something that you are that's so expansive and so open to exploration like art allows you to keep going and keep repeating and keep repeating and find and discover new things and get richer and deeper mm. and more inspired and more captivated whereas repeating and repeating repeating something like social media mm. um or uh, you know a spreadsheet unless you know spreadsheets are your thing <laughs> you know those things are not as expansive they're quite they're quite minimized and they're quite passive. Mm. So yes, actually, the, yeah, the, the passivity of it um, means that you get fed um, inspiration rather than discovering it for yourself. And one of the things that I talk to people about is DIY, you know, do-it-yourself art. I'm self-taught. I have had some classes and I've been painting courses with some brilliant artists. But mostly, you know, I'm not an art college grad. I'm self-taught. And there are good 
there are good things to both sides, you know, traditional art education and the non-traditional art education. But what I encourage people to do is, is do some of the DIY exploration, to do some things where they work it out themselves and they have a go without being told exactly how to do it, to increase the activity and decrease the passivity mm. of it. Because once you're immersed and active and into the thing that you're doing, the physical action and the emotional state are totally, totally connected. Mm. Whereas if you're scrolling through Instagram, your activity is busy and interested, but your emotional state is often bored, um, you know, passive, maybe depressed, I don't know, <laughs> and maybe inspired sometimes too. But um, the action and the emotional state don't link up as much. So I think being actively in a state of flow and doing something expansive that allows you for a lifetime to explore rather than something that's closed down and passive really, really helps you understand yourself a lot more um, and your power and your confidence a lot more and yeah. in your likes and dislikes for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a great distinction, the passive versus active, yeah. How would you say creative living influences your relationship with yourself? Um, I think it allows... It allows me to be more authentically me. Um, authenticity is a massive deal for me. Um, and what creative living does is it kind of strips away the roles that, mm. that you tend to play in life, and we all do this. And I'm actually quite um, what you see is what you get in most respects. You know, I know how to turn up or down the politeness or the sort of professionalism at work, for example. But mostly I'm pretty much the same in, in most um, situations in my life. But but what creative living does is it allows me to, um, to say no to stepping into the roles, either because I'm trying to make myself do it or other people want me to do it. You know, mm -hmm. I will never go back into a really strict corporate formal environment. I know that because... I have experienced a more creative lifestyle. So now I know pretty much like we just talked about what I dislike and what I like. So, so I think it does that. And I think it also, um, it helps you understand your own voice and opinion mm. and it helps you shed the untrue or inherited voices and opinions that yes. you thought were your own. Yes. <laughs> so as a younger person as well, obviously I'm in my forties and I think, you know, when you come into your late thirties and forties, you do kind of realize that the game you were told you had to play for your life, you don't have to do that. <laughs> and that's when we all go and do, you know, what we actually want to do. But, um, but yeah, I believe that there was certain opinions and certain ways of doing things that were mine that actually weren't mine. And, and, expressing myself creatively has led me to understand my true voice versus my uh collected voice that I yeah. picked up here and there you know and stripped that away so it becomes solid gold and it becomes so much more me and authentic and that makes me feel powerful and strong and happy and like I'm I'm move, moving towards no regrets you know of mm. course you know, we all have some regrets in life, but it's it's really nice to think um, this is the life I'm creating for myself, this creative living is what I really want. It's my purpose, my passion and why I'm here. And I can say yes to that and no to other things. And I know now what to say yes and no to. Mm, that's really... Oh, it's things that I've thought, Kelly, and not put words to in that way. And I <laughs> loved everything you said. Um, <laughs> being true to yourself, and but you said it in such detail, I think people would be nodding along and or wondering how they could start to perhaps access some of that and maybe start to peel away some of the roles that we can feel pressured into living. Would you have any tips around somebody that wants to begin expressing their creativity or exploring living a more creative life that it feels more authentic to them? What works well for you? Yeah, I, I think starting. So there are two phases for me, um, and I know there's many more for uh, uh, lots of other people in their process, but starting a thing and continuing a thing. And 
I think when you start to, I, I call it when you want to meet your creative self, because we all have a creative self and sometimes we just don't know where they are and we want to meet them and we want to say, hi, hi, welcome, you know, come back into my life. Hi. So meeting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> meeting your creative self is really important. And sometimes when you're not sure how to start, the best thing to do is view the world like a beautiful smorgasbord or buffet cart and try loads of things. So if you remember when I said I was starting to look more creatively, I volunteered for a film festival. I was in a play. I um, changed my career to a more creative environment. I went back to art class. I tried lots of things until one thing just grabbed me. And it could be the same with a, a specific thing. So you might want to um, explore creativity from an, a, a painting point of view. Try loads of different materials and styles and and indoors and outdoors and subject material and all that. And then you'll find a couple of things will just grab you. That start, continue then, is about allowing yourself to drop some of the other stuff and start to focus in on the things that really grabbed you. And for me, that was landscape. Um, mm. And once then that you really start to focus in, then you go deep and expansive and you get that relationship that just excites you. And I'm not saying you won't ever paint or, or draw anything else, but at, at some point when you've tried lots of things, you do need to focus to allow yourself to find that voice and that creative expression. Because if you constantly jump from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another, yeah it can be quite overwhelming for your creative self because you don't know whether you want to be a musician, a poet, an artist, a dancer, and maybe you'll be all of those things, but but try a little bit of one thing at once. Mm. Um, once you've got that hook, you know, listen for that, feel it, and, want, and go with your intuition and then pursue it for a little while and see what happens and then go on to something else. So, yeah, mm. start, find the hook, once you've found it, go deep, continue it, be consistent, try it for a little while, and then change if you, if you want to. Um, otherwise, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. And you've started lots of creative pursuits. I mean, how many of us have got creative materials and projects languishing <laughs> in the house or the garage somewhere that we've started a million different things and we haven't finished them? It's because they haven't grabbed our passion and attention. Mm. Um, mm. And that's fine. That's fine. But don't don't kind of put yourself in a position where you're going to feel that about creativity because you'll be tired of it and you'll get overwhelmed and you'll feel like you're not getting anywhere. So try that at the beginning and then focus on something. That would be my my big advice. I think that's really wise. Yeah, I really do. And by doing that, you can give yourself the opportunity to to find more competence with the that skill that you are continuing with and with that competence comes more it can bring more satisfaction but it takes a bit of time doesn't it to kind of master those yes. skills so that you can yeah discover what you can it, it's like developing a new vocabulary whatever medium you, you've chosen and then as you develop the skills you're learning new words and new ways to express yourself and you can express yourself more clearly the longer you've practiced it and developed and learned new new words hmm. yeah exactly that yeah and tell me <laughs> I guess this is a little bit of a follow-on question from that we can say feel the hook and follow the thing that you know kind of grabs us but if people have been um so far away from their creative self for a long time and you know so kind of They've been prioritizing other areas of their life or other people for such a long time, and they've lost a little bit of an idea of how to feel it in themselves of when they have that sparkle of delight or what a hook mm. feels like. I wonder if you can just express uh, what does it feel like to you? So, how do you listen to your heart and choose what to focus on? Well, first of all, I think. Um, a little bit of advice before I answer that exact question is um, what I tell people often is don't do anything creative extra for a while. Take a week or two and journal or talk about or note how creative you are every day because you will be creative. You will be dressing beautifully or accessorizing your home or decorating your home, planting a garden. Um, it might be how you clean and detail your, your car that you love or um 
you know, how you build that spreadsheet. That's actually still creative if you can do it really well or the PowerPoint, you know. So really notice your creativity at first because noticing how creative you are each day, you know, grabbing leftovers from the fridge to feed the family is super creative. Notice all of that because that will start to give you a positive and confident mindset to try something new. Yes. And coming into trying something new fearfully um, can be a real challenge. And that fear people feel of, you know, putting paint on paper or showing people work is the same sort of thing. So so start off by really being confident about what you're already doing creatively in your life every day. And there will be multiple things every day that you're doing. So I always say that to people because that makes you think, oh, okay, I am. Oh, I am a bit more creative than I realize. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I did this and I did that. I baked a cake. Notice all of that stuff first. And then... As you, you, even if you try 10 things, there will be a criteria and a reason you've chosen those 10 things subconsciously. So if it's um, visual arts, it's because you perhaps like to make things with your hands. If it's something that's more performance-based, maybe it's because you like to be more vocal and um, on kind of on stage or in front of people or make people laugh, for example, if it was comedy. So there will be a reason and try and just kind of, if you're drawn to five or 10 things, just try and see what links them, yeah. like in a really big picture way. Are they all linked because they're outdoors? Are they all linked because um, they need technical equipment like photography? And I really enjoy that. Just try and see what the link is. Um, and then you just have to go for it. <laughs> and I know that's the scary part, but you have to try because once you've picked up a thing you know the very first stages of learning how watercolor paints worked I remember the first time when I made something look like a sphere that was actually around it was a pea yeah and it looked like an actual pea and it was green and there was a, a white and I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh it looks like a pea and and you just get overwhelmed this feeling of I did it I made it oh my goodness this is what I thought was going to happen this yeah. this affirms my desire and I think that's the best explanation I can give you of that hook or that um, that sparkle, that that intuition that happens. It's a it's a positive emotion that that affirms the desire. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to feel um, expressive by splashing paint around and you have a go and you do, you're like, oh my goodness, yes, this is it. This is that thing that I wanted. Um, and that's you will you will know it when you feel it you will know that affirmation of what you desired that that's the emotion i think that explains it best that's beautiful <laughs> really beautiful way of just explaining it and describing it thank you and i love hearing you can i can hear the joy in your voice we're talking about the pee <laughs> takes me back to moments of a similar kind of experience you're like oh you're so surprised at what you can create it's such a precious precious experience I know, right I still have that painting of the pea and it's something that I will always keep. There's actually three peas in a pod and, uh, yeah, I, I will always keep that. That was my pea painting. The pea painting. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, if you started to feel some fear, like say somebody's decided, okay, I'm going to give it a go, I'm going to paint a pea or whatever their chosen thing is that they want to try and then they notice some fears start to come up. Um, mm. What processes do you rely on to help you feel brave uh, to move forward despite those fears? Um, I think recognising that everybody has them, so it's quite normal and common and it's not something that you are suffering from. It's not a suffering. You can choose to feel the fear and do it anyway, as um, Susan Jeffers, uh, bless her, said. You, you can acknowledge it as being quite common and um, still carry on. And that's the hard part really is um, my mum, I try and help teach her how to paint and she's coming on beautifully and she's doing some really lovely work. And she says to me, the, the thing that she's scared of the most is the white piece of paper mm. and that first mark, putting that first thing on a piece of paper um so we played a game where we just put loads of marks on paper and kind of ripped it all up and it was like ah, oh, okay it's just a piece of paper so questioning the validity of your fear understanding that it's commonplace and then question the validity of it for her it's just a piece of paper it's actually not that valid a fear um and and, and minimizing 
minimizing it. So kind of objectifying it and laughing at it is a really good way to take the the oomph out of your fears. So mm. why am I so crazy? It's just a piece of paper. I can just get another piece of paper. Oh my goodness. This is just, you know, okay, if I'm scared about making a mark, I'm going to get the biggest brush and the darkest paint. I'm going to make a blooming mark on this paper. It kind of objectifies it and, and makes fun of it and takes away the irrational fear. Mm-hmm. And then just continue. The hardest part, I was, I was recording another podcast actually around art. And one of the hardest things I think is to keep going and consistently keep going, the repetition part. So the curiosity and the action, the repetition is where, is where the, the kind of marathon run comes into it. Um, and that's, that's fueled by this love and passion and spark that you'll get. You won't care that you're in a marathon because you'll be loving it so much. You know, I can be out here mm. painting for three hours. I'll go back in the house and say, sorry, guys, I know I've been out there for an hour or so painting. And my husband will go, no, it's been three hours. I'm like, <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. So, so yeah, recognize that it's a common thing. Objectify it and kind of minimize the, the fear and just keep going. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> For those of you who love Nemo, just keep swimming. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, the, getting lost in that sense of flow is um, when you know you've hit the jackpot, isn't it? Yeah, One hour it's wonderful. Three. It's a gift. <laughs> it is a yeah. gift. And what would you say, I mean, I've heard lots of things in tonight's, today's call, but what would you say is bringing you the most joy in your creative life? Um, oh, there's so many things. That's what we had. <laughs> I have to just have one. Uh, I think opening up other people to their creative selves yeah. and allowing people the space and the room to meet their creative self has been an absolute joy. I mean, putting paint down myself and going and making sketchbooks and traveling around is all amazing, but there's something really rewarding and really fulfilling about seeing that spark in someone else and being part of that with them. I, I, you know, I don't classify myself as a teacher. I think I'm just there to to help people kind of facilitate this meeting between themselves and, and their creative self. And I'm just the introducer or the, you know, the, the data dating agency for their creative selves. Um, and I think that's been such a joy for me and against the backdrop of the pandemic and social isolation and other crazy stuff that's going on in the world where people seem to be divided, bringing people together safely with a common purpose and a common passion has been so joyful and unexpected this year of all the years you yes. know I wouldn't have said that this was the year that that became you know the most joyous thing for me yeah. so um so yeah that's been a real blessing that's beautiful that's beautiful and before we wrap up is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners is there anything uh, your final you know Kelly's wisdom notes <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's wisdom wow oh, that's a whole book waiting to happen isn't it, <laughs> it is. to, to be put in the loo to be put in the loo um, um I I I go back to my fundamental belief really that we are all creative um we were creating cave art around 30 to 40,000 years before we created agriculture. Mm. Self-expression and our unique voice and wanting to have a place in the universe is absolutely buried deeply within each of us. Mm. And whether you believe you are creative or not is not the same as knowing that we are all creative and you are creative. It's just finding the right way to express that so I would I would just say to people be open to the magic of meeting your creative self I'm nodding vigorously that's beautiful yeah yeah Yeah. thank you Kelly what an absolute delight (laughs) I knew it would be I've totally loved it um so if people would like to follow you online and find out more about what you're doing and your beautiful upcoming retreat next year and offerings, where can they find you and connect with you? Uh, Okay. So everything is on my website, which is kellyherrick.com and I'm Kelly with a Y, kellyherrick.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and you can find me there using the at I am Kelly Herrick art tag. Um, But if, 
uh, if you go to my website, every, all the links and stuff are on there and the events and things. So, yeah, come and join the community and it would be lovely to start conversations with uh, with some of the guys in, in the flourishers and the listeners on the other end of the podcast. <laughs> Wonderful, Kelly. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so very much for sharing so much beautiful experience and inspiration for people to dive in and embrace creative living it's uh, been an absolute delight talking with you oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and that wraps up this art of creative living podcast episode i sure hope you enjoyed it if you're feeling inspired to deepen your own relationship to creative living including nurturing your creative expression and being kind to yourself you can receive direct support guidance and tools from me inside Flourish the Art of Creative Living. It's a program that weaves together supportive practices for creative hearts from all walks of life, whether you're an aspiring creative, a creative professional or a creative entrepreneur, into one complete tapestry. Along the way you'll meet an incredible, encouraging community of fellow creative hearts who you can both receive support from and offer support to in return. While you explored painting, journaling, photography, writing, mindfulness and other creative practices to help you craft a life that is deeply fulfilling, meaningful and true to you. Registration for Flourish, the Art of Creative Living is open for early bird enrolments late in the year and then for a short while in January. But once the program begins, you won't be able to join again until next year. You can find out more about it at nicolanewman.com forward slash flourish. You're also invited to receive my free seven-day Art of Creative Living introductory course, which is a wonderful overview of my approach and gives you tools and practices that you can implement right away, giving you a taste of what you'll experience inside the full program. Thank you for being here. It's my honour to support you in your creative living adventures. Until next time, be gentle with yourself, nurture your creativity and follow your heart, and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.